0: Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. Can I show you my family? Is that okay? So I'm married to the amazing and the beautiful Chantel. She's going to appear on the screen in just a moment. Literally, it's going to appear. Or Maybe I'll just describe them to you. There we go. There's my wife and two kids, Jensen and seven-month-old Skylar, Leray, Nash. Absolute privilege. I've got a video this morning of showing how she's now waving. And so it's hard to be away when those little moments happen, but it's so good to be here as well. England, through to the semi. The semi's in the World Cup. Is there any Poms here? Glad about that. Stick your hands up. Did anyone get up this morning to watch it? Your husband did. Very cool. I thought, I'm preaching. I can't get up in the middle of the night. (laughs) Tico's not going to like that. Uh, Today, the title of my message is, Are You in the Flow? Turn to your neighbor and say, are you in the flow? Are you in the flow? (laughs) Who knows that if God did nothing else in your life, nothing else in your life, no more answers to prayer, Nothing, completely nothing else. Who knows, we are still completely and overwhelmingly blessed by God. Come on, can I have a hand up if you know that? Come on. We are so blessed. I want to just read a little portion of scripture this morning from Ephesians 1, verses 3 to 8. It will come up behind me. It says, "All Praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Everyone say, blessed us. Blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Basically mean, if you've said yes to Christ, you're blessed. Is there anyone here that said yes to Christ? Yes. Even before he made the world, God loved us. He chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. This is what He wanted to do, and it gave Him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace He has poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. He has showered us with kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. Who knows? We're blessed. We're blessed this morning, Christ Church, if you said yes to Jesus. If you haven't yet made a response or ever invited Jesus into your life, then this is the morning where you experience God's goodness and His kindness and His love in your life. See, if God never did a single more th- a thing in your life, let me tell you, you were still blessed. You are still blessed this morning, Christchurch. You're still blessed. My question is, though, are you in the flow? Because the thing I know about God is that, yeah, we can make a decision and we're blessed. But also, we can, make a pos- we can position ourselves to experience his blessing every single day. Because God is so kind, because God is so good. He's not leaving any single person hanging. He's not leaving his children in uh, absent of him. But he's saying, I'm with you every day. He's saying, I'm not just going to bless you once on the moment that you said yes. I'm not just going to give you forgiveness of your sins and freedom from your past. But I'm going to decide to choose to show up in every moment of your life if you choose to. You see, we can be blessed because of, because of a decision we made, but also we can be blessed because of our daily positioning to God. We can be blessed because of our daily positioning to God. Now a couple of months ago I took my family on an unbelievable holiday to Croatia. Funny enough England are playing Croatia in the semi-finals, so I now hate Croatia (laughs) with an absolute passion, but I went to Croatia and we had a ball. We had an unbelievable time. You can mute the volume. We don't have to have the volume at all. But I took my family to this national park, and there was 15 waterfalls throughout this national park, and you and you walk around on these boardwalks, and it's unbelievable. You see the fish and the frogs, and, and it's just so cool, and there's just gushing water everywhere throughout this forestry. It's just really unbelievable. And then we passed by one of these waterfalls. It's about 40 foot high, and I, and I thought to myself, Wouldn't it be cool not just to see it, not just to take photos like all the other tourists there and all the big groups of of Japanese people that are there, but I thought, wouldn't it be cool to experience it? So I did what you do when you go swimming. I took off my clothes and there's people looking at me going, what the hell are you doing? And I just got into the waterfall and I just experienced the refreshment and the flow and the energy of this waterfall. It was such a cool experience. It was such a cool experience. My question to you are, are you in the flow? Turn to your neighbor and say, are you in the flow? Are you in the flow? I want to illustrate it another way. If um, Sam, the great youth pastor, can come up. Can you give it up for Sam? He's sick. He's sick. Give it up for Keegan. Very cool. Keegan, come up on stage. I think Sam got sick because I described what I wanted to do. But anyway, Keegan, I need you to stand right here for me because I'm going to just, if you stand right here, thank you, light people. I also need Tico to come alongside me right now. If you kind of hold that, you will look, oh, that is beautiful. (laughs) Keegan's never looked better if you just stand right there. You see, there's something that we need to know about the flow of God. There's something that I want to tell you I feel God's placed on my heart today about what God wants to bring into our life. But at the same time, I feel like there are some things that we can do. There's ways we can position our lives that can also stop the flow of God in our life. And if you think of it, it's a lock like this. See, God's blessing is like an amazing watering can. But sometimes we can put the brolly of blockage up. And when God wants to bless... We never experience it. God wants to bless, but the brolly of blockage is in the way. God wants to bless, but we've made choices and we've decided to, my wrist is just snapping, but we've decided to place a brolly of blockage in the way and we never get to experience what God is wanting to do. Thank you very much. I actually don't need you, Tika. I thought I might need you to hold the microphone. Give it up for your amazing pastor. Keegan, just stay there for just a moment. But sometimes we have blockages, we have limitations, we have restrictions in place that cause us to miss what God is wanting to do. But really what God is wanting us to do is to experience all of his goodness. He wants us to experience all the good things. So what we actually need to do is just get the brawly out the way. He's not going to get wet if only 20% of the people are into it. But what God wants to do is He wants to pour out His blessing on our lives and so we can understand and feel and know his goodness in our lives. See, I'm going to be kind to him right now. Give it up for Keegan. He is amazing. But sometimes, but sometimes there's just stuff that goes on. There's choices we make that just stops the flow. It can just stop the flow, but I want to ask, are we in the flow? But if we're not, how do we get in the flow? How do we position our life? In I want to tell you about a guy called Ezra. I'm going to read a bit of scripture. Ezra 7. Ezra 7, verses 1 to 9. He, Ezra wrote this book. He's a Levitical priest. He's a bold man. And he was around during the exile, basically meaning the nation of Israel were taken away into a foreign land and kept as slaves and kept as people who were far from their land, basically without the ability to worship God, without the ability to do all that they were destined to do. Because of their positioning, they were were removed from the blessing. But Ezra decided to make a choice he wanted to go in front of the king and ask and make some requests about moving back to his great land of the city of Jerusalem. And let me read these things in Ezra 7, 1-9. It says this, Now after these things, in the reign of King Artaxerxes, king of Persia, Ezra, the son of Sariah, Azariah, Hakakiah, Shalom, Zadok, and it goes on right to the point of the son of Aaron, the chief priest, basically meaning Ezra came from Aaron, the chief priest, who was next to Moses the whole time. He was a big deal. That's a genealogy. That's like awesome. That's been like being related to Jesus. That's cool, right? Man, you're related. Wow, that's awesome. And so it goes on, and it says... And he was a skilled scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. The king granted him all his requests according to the hand of the Lord his God upon him. Some of the children of the Israel, the priests, the Levites, the singers, the gatekeepers, and the and Nathanaeum came up to Jerusalem in the seventh year of the king, Artaxerxes. And Ezra came to Jerusalem in the fifth month, which was in the seventh year of the king. Verse 9, on the first day of the first month, and he began his journey from Babylon, and on the first day of the fifth month, he came to Jerusalem according to the good hand of his God upon him. I want to highlight just this, this, just this phrase that appeared twice, but actually appears around five times in the book of Ezra, and also in Nehemiah. It's this, the hand of the Lord, his God, was on him. The hand of the Lord, his God, was on him. We need to know something about that phrase. If I was to say blessing, it's like in the Old Testament saying the hand of the Lord your God was on him. When I say blessing, it's like saying the favor of God is on your life. Ezra was walking in the blessing. Ezra was walking in the favor of God. And when he walked in the favor of God, he saw things that were completely impossible turn around into things that were possible. Like I said, he was a slave in a foreign nation. And King Artaxerxes of Persia was one of the most powerful men in globally at that point in time. And as a slave, he confronts the king and makes these requests, "'Can I go back?' to my city of Jerusalem and reestablish worship, reestablish the law, reestablish the ways of our God. And do you know what King Artaxerxes says? He says in verse six, he says, the king granted him all his requests. The king granted him all his requests according to the hand of the Lord, his God, upon him. Because of the hand that was on that man, he saw all that he asked for, done. All that he asked for, done. Wouldn't that be amazing in your life? Just things, you were just flowing in a blessing of God. You're just like, I don't know why it's happening, but it's happening. I don't know how we got that land, but it's happening. Come on, that's favor. That's blessing. I don't know how I got that job. It's favor. It's blessing. Do you know what blessing is? It is God going above and beyond what we could ever do and exceeds our expectations. It's God going above and beyond what we could ever do with our human strength. That is the blessing of God. Sometimes I look at my life and I go, I do not know how this happens, how on earth that comes together. It's the blessing of God. I'm sure there's stories in your life because you've chosen to say yes to Jesus, because you've chosen to position your life, you're just like, I don't know why that happens. It's the favor of God. Come on, does anyone want to see some more blessing in their life? Does anyone want to see the hand of God on their life? Come on. This is good preaching, isn't it? See, blessing is God's touch that exceeds all expectations. You need to write that down. God's blessing is his touch on your life that exceeds all expectation. Here, Ezra, he makes some requests as a slave in front of the most powerful man, and all those requests were granted because of the hand of God on his life. See, when we have the hand of God on our life, God makes those things that are impossible, possible. When we have God's hand on life, he makes the impossible possible. Yes. This isn't just a Christian cliche saying, but it is God's truth in operation in our life. I think of the feeding of the 5,000. When Jesus is preaching to all these people and they're all around him, and they get hungry, so Jesus turns to one of his disciples, Philip, and he says, Philip, feed them. Get them some bread. Philip stumbles around and fumbles a little bit. And then he turns to Jesus and said, Jesus, even if I worked for half a year, I could never have enough money to go down to the bakery to give these guys a feed. I could never do it. I could never do it. See, sometimes I think that I respond like that to God. God makes a, puts a dream in my heart. He puts some. He inspires me some way, and I I respond to him, and I say to him, God, I could never do that, even if I tried for two years to work that way. And sometimes I feel like I serve up to God my nevers and my can't, but I never serve up to God a little bit of faith. Then out of nowhere, we see Simon and Andrew and Peter, and they come to Jesus, and they said, We've stolen this kid's lunch, two fish and five loaves. Maybe we could have a holy huddle and feast ourselves. And Jesus breaks it and he gives thanks for it. And then he says to the disciples, hand it out. And in the breaking and in the giving thanks, God's blessing and God's hand was upon it. And what was five loaves and two fishes turns into 12 baskets left over at the end with every single person satisfied and no longer needing any more hunger in their life. See, God takes what was little and makes it something. I don't know if you caught that. For me, in my life, I sometimes feel like I've got a little faith. Sometimes I feel like I can hang on for just a a little bit more. Sometimes I feel like I come to the end and maybe if I just stick at it for just a little bit more. But do you know what? God is only looking for a little because he makes our little a lot. He takes the lack and makes it more than enough. He takes our inadequacy and makes it adequate because of the blessing and the hand of God on our life. Church, I want to say, I want to get positioned under the blessing of God because we'll see the impossible possible. We'll see the impossible possible. I know for some people in here, it's like there's impossible walls that you don't even want to name, you don't even want to talk about, you don't even want to focus on, because they've been there for too long. I don't even know how I'll get onto the housing market. I don't even know how I'll get into that career. I don't even know how I'll get to that university. And there's walls in our life we don't know how we'll push, we don't know how we'll get over, we don't know how we'll get around them, but God is just looking for a little bit of faith. See, I love Pastor Tico's encouragement this morning. Come on, there's seats around us. There's seats around us. Do you know what I love? God is just looking for a little bit of evangelism, a little bit of boldness, a little bit of courage. And God can take that little seed that you plant this week and make it something. He'll take it and make it something. He'll take that seed of buying someone a coffee, blessing them, going out your way to invite them into your home. He'll take that and make it something. Your building project that seems so huge, seems so big, seems so impossible, he's going to make it something. Why? Because a group of crazy Christchurch people decided to give into a building offering and decided to go, we are going to do something in the city. I'm going to make something of my faith and I'm going to choose to give. Come on. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you in the flow? Are you in the flow? I want us to just, just take stock for a moment. How do we get in the flow? How do we move from a position of having this over our life to suddenly being like this? How do we move and remove the blockage of the brolly to allow the freedom of the flow of God's blessing in our life, let me say that again. How do we move the blockage of the brawley to allow the freedom of the flow of God's blessing into our life? I want to give us five thoughts from Scripture that will cause you and position your life to out of the blockage into the freedom of the flow. Are you in the flow this morning? Turn to your neighbor and say, "Are you in the flow?" are you in the flow? Number one, am I a truster? I don't even know if that's a word, I'm quite sure it's not, but I'm English and we make up words and we call it the Oxford Dictionary (laughs) and we write to the rest of the world and say, please follow our language. Am I a truster? Number one, am I a truster? In Ezra 7.6, Ezra goes before the king. He trusts that God is going to work on his behalf. If he approaches the king like we know about in the story of Queen Esther, he could just have been killed. He literally could have been just like, throw the guy to the lions, for goodness sake. Can you stop complaining? Can you stop asking for things? He trusts God is working and moving on his behalf. You, You need to check this out. In Psalms 40, verse 4, when I read this, it truly blew me away. It says this, if we can put it up. Psalms 40, verse 4. It says, blessing after blessing. Say blessing after blessing. Blessing after blessing blessing comes to those who love and... Blessing after blessing comes to those who love and... You're getting it now. Blessing follows trust. Blessing follows trust. You know, sometimes we get impacted in life and stuff happens to us. I know that. And do you know what gets impacted quite often when we have relational breakdowns? Trust. When someone breaks our loyalty. When someone betrays our trust. We have the inability to trust. See, the devil wants to take your trust. Because where trust is, there's blessing. But for some of us, we're unable to see the blessing of God... Because we don't trust. And when we don't trust, it's like having this operating over our life. God wants to bless, but because we don't trust, it's like God's pouring it out. It's like we can experience it and we can see it all around us, but we'll never see it happening in our life. There's a blockage and there's a brolly and there's a restriction and there's a limitation. And we'll never see the blessing in our life because we simply don't trust in God that he is enough in our life. A couple of years ago, God spoke to my wife and I and said, start a youth camp. Start a youth camp. And I've run events for years. Before I went to Bible College in 2009 in Auckland, I was an events manager and sales executive for several years and and I loved running events. But the problem is, when you run events, there's a risk that no one will turn up. Right? When you run church, there's a risk that no one's going to turn up. And what? Is that all about? It's a fear of failure. I was insecure. Well, what happens if no one turns up? What happens if we do all this work and no one turns up? What happens if we lose all this money? I was afraid. I was scared. I didn't trust God at his word. Anyway, I gathered my team and we gathered faith together and we thought, we could do this. Let's call it Brave Age. Because we thought we were being brave. So let's cause there to be a brave generation in Europe. Do you know what? Three years later, next when I land next in a couple of weeks' time, we're running our third Brave Age. And we've got over 100 young people coming on from around Europe and in our church. And we're so excited to release a generation of young people to live brave. But do you know what my wife and I had to do? We had to trust that what God said was true. We have to trust. See, where there is blessing, there is trust. The result of trust is blessing. Therefore, the result of no trust is an absence of blessing. See, if there's an absence of God's hand on your life, if you're not seeing God's blessing and favor, can I encourage you, maybe there is an issue around you not trusting God and really surrendering your life to God. It goes on to say in the scripture in Psalm 40, it says, they will not fall away for they refuse to listen to the lies of the proud. You see, really being prideful is living your life independently, saying, I can do it myself, I know what is best. You know what? I know I've been there. I think I, I think I know best. I would consider myself to be, you know, I'm great in some areas, and I just sometimes I don't let God into those areas. But it's always those areas that fall over. It's where I'm proud, and it's where I've got my pride in operation. But God wants to snuff that pride out and say, "Come on, Mark." You need to trust me in those areas. Psalm, um, sorry, in 1 Peter 5, 5, it says this, all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor, 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 favor to the humble. Basically, humility being the opposite of being prideful. Therefore, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he will make Lift you up in due time. Just imagine God's hand is wanting to rest on people's lives, but when it comes over you, is God's hand just moving on because you're full of independence and wanting to do life for yourself or are you submissive and surrendering your life to God and saying, God, whatever you want with my life, just do it. See, at the age of 18, I remember praying to God. I had all these plans. I said, God, I want to go to Bible college. If that doesn't work out, then I want to go traveling. If that doesn't work out, then I've got a job on the coast, signed sealed it's done for, three hours away from home. I was ready to do something new. I was ready to do something different. But then in a conference at the age of 18, God spoke to me so clearly, Mark, plant your life in this church. And that was a church called Jubilee at the time that Pastor Peter came and took over, now become a Quipper's church. It went from 35 to, to now a church of 1,000 several years later. See, God gave me a word, lay down your plans and follow me. Do you trust me? Do you trust me at the age of 18? Come on, do you trust God? Am I a truster this morning? Number two, so number two is am I a doer? Am I a doer? In Ezra 7, 9 and 10, it says, For the gracious hand of His God was on him. This was because, here's the key, this was because Ezra had determined to study and obey the law of the Lord and to teach those decrees and regulations to the people of Israel. Isn't that amazing? We learn to understand in this portion of Scripture, why was the hand of God on his life? Because he chose to study and obey. Bear with me one second. Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2 will come up behind me. It says, "...now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth." And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. I don't know about you, but I want to be overtaken with a flood of water over my life. But the thing is, God is looking for some people to do, to obey, to be faithful to his voice. It will overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Are you a doer today? See, it's one thing to come to church and to listen, but it's a completely different thing to walk out of here and begin to do the things that was preached. It's one thing to come in here and warm up the seat that you're sitting in, and that's cool. You can do that for a while, but God wants you to shift from just doing, from 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 just listening and just being a hearer, to going moving to actually doing what God says. Tonight I've got a word for this church. It's one of my most passionate things to talk about. And you're going to have to come out tonight. But it's about how do we apply the scripture in our life to enable victory in our life. And you need to come out and hear it. It's become one of my life messages. It's really pulled me out of the depths of my insecurity and the depths of my confidence issues. But am I a doer? Because blessing always pursues obedience just like blessing is the result of trust in God. Blessing pursues obedience. There can be times when we can be praying and sometimes we're going, God bless me, God do this in my life and God is just saying, can you just be obedient to what I've already said to you? Can you just look at your notes from Sunday and just begin to action some of that stuff? Because some of us, We don't take God's word seriously and you're saying, God, bless me, do something in my work, but really it's just that over your life because we're not applying what God has said. We're not applying the truth of God's word that has the ability to set you free and do amazing stuff in your life. At the beginning of 2017, God spoke to me um, and said, go and I will show. At that moment, uh, the Richmond location was a brand new location. And they asked me to go in and give it some leadership, not pastor it, just be involved, and this and that, and just do that kind of thing. But I just knew and sensed that God said, "Go, and I will show." I knew that meant uprooting my family and taking them to a new place, a new town. Now I don't move house. Before I moved to Auckland in 2009, I had never moved house. After my two years in Auckland, I'd moved five times. I was—I didn't want to move. I didn't like moving. But anyway, I knew that when you say yes to God, it means sometimes going even if you don't understand everything. But who knows that we have to be a doer of God's word. We have to be obedient to his voice. He will show you the blessing, but he's looking for us to go. He's looking for us to begin to apply some of these things in our lives. And so while we began to look for a home. We began to make steps. And in the May of 2017, they said, Mark, we'd like to lead the church. We'd like to make you pastor of this location. And on that, we decided several months later, now's our time to move. We were moving away from family. We were moving away from babysitting services. We were moving away from friends. We are moving away from everything that was comfortable based on a Word that was go and I will show. But come on, people, we need to be doers of the word. Let me tell you, when I went, it was like the brolly of blockage was removed from our lives and we saw the favor and the blessing pour out in our lives. I saw more money come in at the end of the year in a state of need for our family. It was unbelievable. We saw blessing flow into the church. It was unbelievable simply because we decided to step out from the umbrella and choose to actually obey God at his word. Come on, are you doers? Are you doers of the word? Ask the person next to you. Let's get in the flow. Let's get in the flow. Let's get in the flow. Number three, am I a giver? Am I a giver? I don't want to dwell too long on this, but it's so evident in Scripture that this is an important thing if we're to experience the blessing of God. I know you've gone through a building offering. I know there's so many faithful, incredible, uh, just devout people sold out to the cause, sold out to making Christchurch a town that once again knows the goodness of its God. But the question is, are we a giver? In Ezra 8:35, Ezra led this nation into restoring the sacrifices, restoring the law of God. And he decided to take sacrifices that cost him something. He took bulls that were expensive and actually sacrificed a good offering to God. In Malachi three, verses eight to 12, it's a conversation God's having with Malachi. He says, "Why are you cheating me? Stop cheating me." God is saying, you've cheated me of the tithes and the offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Just, us just stop there for a moment. He's basically saying, you're under a curse. You're never going to experience me if you continue to not give, if you continue to withhold your tithes from me. But then it goes on. I'm going to stay here and read this. This is good. Bring all the ties into the storehouse, so there'll be enough food in my temple. If you do what says the Lord of heaven's army, I will open, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing. Everyone say blessing. Blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it, put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant for I will guard it from the insects and the diseases. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's army. Then all the nations will call you blessed. We have the ability to unlock blessing in our life by simply giving. Let me give you an illustration. Your 90% will always go further than the 100%. If we choose to put God first in our finances and tithe to him, which talks about 10% of our finances, if we do that, God will cause our 90% to go further than the 100%. Why? Mark, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't doesn't add up in my mind. This is how it works. Your 100% is you by your Jack Jones, by yourself. The 90% has the hand of God on it. Yes. So it's you plus God. Yeah. Yeah. And let me tell you, that doesn't add up to 100%. That adds up to 1,000%. See, some of us often say, and I've pastored people through this, and they always say to me, Mark, I can't afford to give. But let me tell you, church, you can't afford not to give. We can't afford not to give. Because if you want the blessing of God to be poured out in your life, It's time to give. It's time to get to that red tent, black tent, whatever tent you go to. And it's time to say, God, I give you this area of my life. God says, test me in this. He's so confident he's going to bless you that he says, test me. It's the only piece of the Bible that says, God says, test me. He's so confident he's going to bless you. Let me tell you, I have found out in my life you can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. I remember giving 10p when I was a kid because I got a pound pocket money once a week. I remember walking up the front of church and dropping it in the offering basket. It was old school, man. It's when we did the offerings up the front. I remember giving five pounds when I had my first job and it was like, man, my life, that was a lot of money. I remember giving £50 pounds and a couple of hundred pounds, and I know what it's like to give a thousand pounds. And I know that you can't outgive God. It's like that umbrella of blockage removes from your life and it just allows God to flow into your life. It's truly extraordinary. You've got to know it. You've got to know it in your life. Am I a giver? Number four, I'm going to move really, really swiftly now. Am I a speaker? Am I a speaker? See, Ezra decided to be a speaker and a teacher of the law to tell people the ways of God. In Psalms, it shows us, sorry, in Proverbs... It talks about the, the importance of, 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 of talking. It talks about the importance of speaking. And it says this in Proverbs 18.21. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. See, we have the ability to bless, and we have the ability to curse. We either have the ability to release blessing through this, or we have the ability to curse and restrict and limit what God does through this. I remember my, when my wife turned around to me recently, she said, Mark, you need to speak differently about our finances because you're, you're stopping the flow. It's what she said to me. And do you know what I did? I, I went to God and I said, yes, dear. And I went to God, I said, God, I'm so sorry. Where I've cursed my finances because of the lack that's come out of my mouth, because I've not trusted in you, I want to say, sorry, forgive me. And right now I bless my finances. God, you know what state they're in, but God, right now I bless them in the mighty name of Jesus. Jesus. Every day I just began to bless, I began to bless, I began to bless. And let me tell you, I've seen them completely turn around in the last three months since I began to bless my finances. Yes, I put wisdom involved in it as well. I'm not simply just speaking over them, but I'm blessing them as well. Just this week, I got an email out of the blue. The same month my wife's maternity package finishes, I get an email out of the blue that says, Mark, we'd like to give you an offering every single month please give us your direct debit. Out the blue! My wife sends off one CV, gets an email back just a couple couple of hours later says we'd love to interview you. She goes in for an interview, they love her and said when can you start? See, It's the blessing of God. It's the hand of God. It's the favor of God. Some things that we just can't engineer, but it's God going above and beyond what is humanly possible to enable your life to live an impossible killing life. Come on, in this room, there's impossible killers. In this room, there's impossible stomping people. And finally, am I a blesser? Am I a blesser? Ezra, his reason for going in front of the king and risking it all, risking his life, risking his credibility, risking all of who he was, he was courageous, he was incredible to do so, but he did that for the sake of a nation. He didn't do it for the sake of himself, but he did it for the sake of a nation. Jesus, when he fed the 5,000, it wasn't just so they could have a great feed for the next three months. It wasn't so they could enjoy bread and fish in a little group, but it was so that a nation and a group of people could be blessed as well, that they wouldn't go home hungry, that they would see the provision and the goodness of God for themselves. You see, the blessing of God is not just to flow into us, it's to flow out of us. Not just to flow into us, but it's to flow out of us as well. See, to some of us, God says, I, can't, I won't give it to you until I can get it through you. I won't give it to you until I can get it through you. Some of us are just holding and hogging and holding on to all the things that God is doing. Let me tell you, if you want to see a new release of blessing in your life, it's time to be a blesser of other people. Do you know what? There's 21 opportunities to invite someone into your house and have food with people. Let me tell you, when you have food with people and you invite them into your house, that's blessing them. It's a great way to evangelize. Rarely do I preach the gospel, but I eat a lot of food. And it's a lot of opportunities for me just to share my life and my faith and who I am. You have 21 opportunities this week to say, hey, can I take you out for lunch? Can you come over for dinner? 21 opportunities to bless someone. Can I dare you today? Come on, let's be a blesser. If you're catering for two people, cater for four. Bring someone into your house. We have the opportunity to bless. Church, has this been encouraging this morning? Yeah. Psalm 41.1, I didn't give you this, the verse for that point. It says, blessed are those who have regard for the weak. The Lord delivers them in the time of trouble. See, my whole message today, <laughs> just want the brolly, just the umbrella. my whole message today is I want to see a release of God's blessing in your life. I want to see God do something great in your life. But here's the thing I know about God. He's already pouring out that watering can of blessing over your life. But some of us need to position our lives in such a way that we remove the blockage of the brolly and we step into the freedom of the flow so in our lives we can see God's goodness. In our lives we can see the favour. In our lives, we can see the hand of God rest upon us and we can see our lives move to a new level so we can impact this city in a great way. So we can see a great building built in Christchurch that can do awesome things and transform a city. Come on, there's a group of people here that I believe need to position their lives, position their lives under the flow. And I begin... Tonight, sorry, I end as I begin. Are you in the flow? Just across. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipaschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.